Welcome to the FNRAD Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Eric Charlson. Wow, this is a great way to climb mountains and come down, you know. For our reception, our Vulcan buddies brought acid. I was dropping in and snaking people and causing shit. And I remember calling on the radio and I'm like, Brushy, where are you? You know, Greg would do the tricks. He was kind of like the Tony Hawk of snowboarding. I mean, people just really gravitated to the backcountry. I liked Greg, but he didn't really care for me too much because I was a little shithead. Our guest this week is Dave Downing. Hi, this is Dave. Dave's part in Stomping Grounds is representative of the incredibly well-rounded professional snowboarder he was in 1996. There are deep Japanese pow turns, surfing shots, park, pipe, and cliff shots, all of which are smooth and styling. Dave still works for Burton Snowboards and is basically Jake's right-hand man. I caught up with him a few weeks ago as he returned from Vermont. Yeah, I just got back last night big week back there in sales meeting and some retailers in town and we have that like big fall bash thing at Jake's house. The first board I ever rode was actually a GNS Mike Ranquit and that was a beat up rental. That was the first board I ever rode probably. That was in 1990. Like a month later I bought a board and that board was a, a Craig Kelly, like a purple one, purple and purple or whatever it was. Um, so that was my first board I, I bought. So yeah. you, within a couple of years of starting, had a pro career with Burton. Is that right? Or was it with Sims first? No, no Sims. Um, so it's a little confusing. Um, mm-hmm. You and me start kind of telling my story. So 1990, I was working at a surf shop and I was trying to be a pro surfer. And that wasn't really working out. And I was also going to school trying to be a fireman. I went on a ski trip, broke my skis. And my friend talked me into snowboarding. And I just fell in love with it right off the bat. I didn't want to do it, and then he talked me into doing it. And I came back from that trip, bought a snowboard, and just got totally into it. And I started working actually that within a few months. Started working for the rep here in California, uh, the Burton rep. So I was working at the shop, and I was also a sub rep for Burton for like three years. You know, I'd go to sales meetings at Burton, and I was doing everything for Burton as a rep. And I met. Eric Koch, who was the team manager, and he was kind of my age, 23 at the time, just started snowboarding up at Bear Mountain a lot. Eric asked me to go on a trip to Europe. I think it was Cersei Wallace, like, blew her knee out, and she was going on this trip for Transworld. And he, te- he like, called me. He's like, Can we-, we need somebody to go to, the- to Europe, like, in two days or whatever it was. Can you go? And I'm like, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> and, like, so I went, and that was kind of the beginning of everything really um i met my wife shannon who was shannon dunn at the time mm-hmm. uh, i met her i met jeff curtis on that trip it was me and brian Thien, who was my buddy from big bear we went and shot photos for trans world on that trip i came back i had like a cover of a magazine like all these photos in the magazine that was like the beginning of it it wasn't something i even wanted to do or i was even looking at as an opportunity or anything i would tell people it's just like god just put that right in my lap because mm-hmm. i had no idea like what was going on how quick into it were you filming with the hatchet brothers so that was like the next year basically so i came back from that trip and was selling the burton line in las vegas at the trade show at the time that was in march right after that that's kind of right when i started dating Shannon and then she wanted me to come to Utah so I came, went to Utah and she was filming actually for Mac Dog. Like she was trying to film a part and she's like oh can my friend Dave come out and hang out with Mac Dog?" and he's like totally harsh she's like no he can't come out with me but uh, he can go out with my other filmer with Kurt Heine and there's this new kid that we're trying to film with this kid Peter 
So it was me and Peter Lyons went out and started filming together in Utah with Kurt Heine for like three days, and I had no idea what I was doing. But Kurt and I and Peter were just building jumps and just hitting these jumps in Utah. And then Kurt was all stoked and talked to Mac Dog. And Mac Dog was there, and then I switched. Actually, we switched groups the next day, like three days later or whatever it was. And I went out with Mac Dog and started hitting jumps with him and filming. And he was all stoked, and he like asked me to like start filming for TV3. I remember going to Tahoe and I went to Squaw and Mike was filming up at the Palisades at Squaw with Tex Davenport and I was just like in shock. Like I couldn't believe like what Tex was doing and he was just so gnarly. He was just like hiking up with headphones on and like jumping off cliffs and the whole like filming experience was totally new to me, you know, so I just tried to get in there as best I could and hmm. that's how it happened. That was the thing back then. Mm -hmm. All through the 90s, really. The 90s was that, that video era and the magazine era, really, where you know you could have a career and you could be marketable by doing that. That was your platform, you know, was, mm -hmm. was filming a video part and getting magazines. You know, now it's a lot more about contests and things like that or Instagram or whatever the thing. That's your platform, you know. Totally. But back then it was VHS tapes, you know. It was like that's how people got to see what was going on in snowboarding. I think snowboarders just watch stuff on the internet, you know, to get stoked or whatever. So TB3, I, I was still a rep. Like, I was still working for Burton. That's the same year that The Garden came out. I was in that movie, too, because I was friends with, like, Richard Wolcott and those guys at Volcom. They just started Volcom, and that's when I became a I was like, I'm not going to be a rep anymore, and I signed a contract to be a, a team writer for Burton, and I moved to Utah that following winter in the, in the fall. I lived at Tina Bassage's house. I rented a room from her, and I lived for the winter in Utah for the next, like, five years, probably. I lived at the base of Little Cottonwood Canyon at Tina's house. I mean, I was a surfer kid from Big Bear, you know, and when I was working with Burton, I met Craig, and, like, Craig became a friend of mine, and, you know, that was a big influence on my life to, like, go learn about the backcountry and go get into it. So I went to Utah, and that's where I started learning everything, just getting my feet wet. And that was the year that I filmed. That was TV4. Everything in that part was in Utah. That was an epic, epic winter, 94, I think. I asked if they were accessing the backcountry with sleds back then. It was all hiking, though. That was, like, way before sledding. Like, I don't even think people snowmobiles at all, you know? Just take up a lift and hike for 20 minutes and then ride down and then kind of be in a bowl, and we just hike around. And my catchup would come out there, and uh, we would just film, you know? I mean, I was dating Shannon, and Shannon and Tina were always, like, going off to, like, half-pipe contest and stuff and i was just like i'm staying here and just, it was I it was just epic winter in utah like really really good so that was a tv4 year so i can just kind of go by movies because that's how i kind of remember it. Mm -hmm. tv5 was uh, me and johan filmed a lot together that year and that was tv5 and that was first much first trip i went to alaska first trip johan went to alaska that was a big deal that was a big year yeah 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 and that was another one of those just pretty naive experiences, you know, like me and Johan, like never been there before. We didn't know what we were doing really at all. Like, especially Johan, like he had no idea what he was doing. He was just instinctively shredding, you know, like everything he did that trip was just totally off of instinct, you know, which is pretty cool. Because it was like me, Johan, Victoria, and Mike Hatchett in one heli. Mm -hmm. And the other heli was like Tex Davenport, Goodwill, like Noah Slaznik, um, and Tom Burt, the heavy crew over mm -hmm. there. And we were, we just didn't even know what we were doing. We were like, oh, yeah, let's go over there. And Mike was helping us out, like taking lines out and stuff. And I remember it was just crazy. And what would that trip like that be like? Would Mike point out something and say, like, can one of you do this? You know, he's been there for years. 
at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's a pretty awesome and in- intense individual where he's just like, let's go film. And we'd film like all morning. We'd pick out a thing. We'd be flying around. We'd take Polaroids of a mountain and we'd land and we'd discuss like what was going to happen. Like, oh, I'm going to try to do that line there and come down there. We'd talk with Mike about it. And he's like, okay, cool. And then he'd fly over to another peak and land and take his camera gear. And then the heli would come get us and take us to the top of this peak and drop us off sometimes with a guide and sometimes without a guide you know and then it was just like radio contact with mike and it's like oh and you're trying to memorize your line off this polaroid you know i've only been snowboarding at that point like four years maybe and it was pretty crazy to try to film lines because it's one thing to like ride a line and do it but when you're trying to film it mike taught us you know you got to rip it top to bottom or mm. it's not going to make the movie you know and he, and at that time he's filming 16 millimeter film so every time he pushes that button you know it's like money falling out of that camera you know because it costs money for it you know it's not like digital you know and was so, burton putting any pressure on you to get stuff done like what was it like being a A-list it wasn't burton really writer. pressure it was just it wasn't really pressure it was just that was kind of the heyday right so it was like there was no real budget. Like, he was just like, oh, Dave, you're going to go to Alaska with, you know, Mike catch And we'd go there for three weeks or whatever. That first year when Johan went and I, we went there, like I said, totally naive. We didn't know what we were doing. And we flew, I think it was 14 days straight with no down days. And it was epic every day. And then we thought that's just how it was. So we came back from that trip, like, so stoked, like, freaking out, you know? And that was that TV5 year. And then we've been back since then, and it's not like that. You're sometimes just sitting in a hotel room for a week and you get to fly one day or whatever. But that first year we went, it was Bluebird for, like, 14 days, and it was just epic. Mike was the guy, and Dave Hatchett, too, and Tom Burt and Noah and all the, all the riders. You know, they were teaching me, you know, as I was going kind of thing. I remember seeing you stand up on the surfboard, snowboarding yeah we, we did that behind mike's house in tahoe this was like a joke because it was like I, i'm all dude look at the surfboard in your garage and we'll like, go ride that thing and next thing you know i'm like trying to ride this surfboard in the snow which is pretty fun but i, I guess that was part of my thing was that i was a surfer I don't know. it doesn't seem like that many people just started snowboarding and that was the first thing that they ever did it was a lot of gate influence and stuff for sure it was the board sports industry you know so yeah we wanted definitely... to distance ourselves from skiing it felt like like remember those totally. vegas shows and they would like put the oh, snowboarders yeah. in like a different hall uh, just to so, keep everything totally separated. Yeah. I was just talking to Donna Carpenter the, the other day and she was telling me stories about like the first SIA show they went to. Like her and Jake like had like sneak in and it was full drama. Like they were getting kicked out and they like snuck in with this guy that like tuned skis. He like put their boards like in his booth and stuff. And, like it was just crazy. We talked about how many of the early snowboarders made it tough for resort operators to keep them in check. You know, I'm I'm from Big Bear, and that's why that's what happened in the early 90s, 90 to 93. That's where Bear Mountain had that Outlaw Park. It was called Outlaw Park because it was snowboarding only. Like it was like stay over there. You know, it was like <laughs> dude, that's what it was, dude. It was like full outlaws over there. Snowboarders are just thrashing around looking for stuff to bonk and, and shred on. You know, and skiers are just going down the fall line. So there's definitely a different mentality. You know, mm-hmm. even though you're riding the same lifts, it's like, man, when a snowboarder goes down the hill, they're looking at it totally different than a skier. There's definitely going to be some conflict there. 
I mean, skiers want different things, and and unfortunately, it's my opinion, but snowboard parks have turned into skier parks. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, there's flags there, there, everything's fall line. It, there's not a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of training. There's not a lot of turning back and forth. There's, they're all the same, you know. I think that's a big thing, you know. Like if you go to Bear Mountain, it's just there's stuff everywhere. I mean, snowboarders are designing that stuff, you know. It's like all over the place. There's tranny everywhere, and it's just. It's a different thing. It's like a skateboard mentality, you know? Mount Seymour has that up here in Vancouver. Yeah, right, right, right. Whereas, you know, there's two other local mountains here, and they don't get that. Can we talk yeah. specifically about Craig Kelly for a quick minute? Sure. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna... I'd love to. So where was he at with Burton at the time that you joined as a rep and then as you became a team rider? Oh, yeah. So that's a crazy one, right? Um so, yeah, I was a rep, and I was selling his boards, and he was a team runner. But at that time, he was definitely bailed on the competition scene, and he was free riding a lot. There was a period of time there in the 90s where he was just, like, off the grid. You wouldn't even see footage of him. He was just, like, didn't even want to be in front of the camera. He was just doing it for the love of it, really, you know, which was awesome. He was super involved in product the whole time. Yeah, and then I got to go on some awesome trips with him late in the late 90s, you know. One trip we went, we were in a year up at uh, North Cascade Heli. We were there for like 10 days, and we got snowed in. And that was where I got him into splitboarding because he was like kind of resistant to it, and I was doing it for a few years, and then he got into it. Me and him were like splitboarding, and Joe Curtis was with us, and he didn't have a splitboard. He, he was like snowshoeing. <laughs> he was so bummed. I've been that guy. Now, it's funny that Craig would have been resistant to it at first. Why? He was really into, like, his way, like, his the snowboards he was kind of developing for riding powder, you know, and then the splitboard, he didn't think it would work that good. And then mm-hmm. once he started riding them, he just got into it, you know. He just found that, oh, dude, that's just the way he wanted to travel, I think, in the backcountry. And it just totally fit his deal, you know, just being in, in the mountains and, traveling around the mountains and his own free will, you know. Um, but I went on a couple of awesome heli trips with him, which was amazing. Dude, that guy, he was such a, it was funny, he was such a hard worker, but he would always be like, hey, we're not taking at least three free runs a day. We're just faking it. I remember him saying that all the time. He was just like, so we'd take free runs. He'd make Jeff Curtis like leave his camera pack in the heli, and we'd just take like three free runs. But And then the next run, he'd be like, all right, Jeff, get your pack. And it was just like, Full work mode like every 10 feet of the of the run he would just milk it like okay just pull over there okay i'm gonna do a toe turn on that little spine and then i'm gonna stop and you know and like yeah i mean he would just he's real you know he mm-hmm. didn't want to just make it yeah he didn't want to just milk, milk powder turns and, and just for the cameras yeah. without it being real so like yeah he, he would milk a run and like get all his work done mm-hmm. then the next run he would just flow top to bottom and just every yeah. time most like, people don't know how incredibly yeah. boring filming can be and how he taught me he taught be. me how to do that he ta- he taught me how to like get a pow shot and like do it right not mm-hmm. just go down and like slide sideways and make spray but like to actually turn and do a good turn and make it look good and you know like because he wanted snowboarding to look good like if he's somebody's shooting a photo of him it was like business you know i mean did he be like faxing the you know product managers at at burton and stuff like that i'm like what are you doing he was just like you know writing this feedback thing on a fax and he'd like fax it from some weird lodge in canada or something you know like it was pretty cool like he was definitely and that was that was before cell phones and that was before anything really he was kind of an engineer in his brain you know like he was just always like in the product you know boots Mm. he was super opinionated findings and boards and outerwear 
backpacks and he was into it, you know. Greg and I's relationship was, was interesting because he was like this hero of mine, you know, at first. You know, I was a rep, I was just this kid and he was just this hero and then over time he like became a friend of mine and I'm on trips with him and stuff, you know, and we would surf in the summer and like, you know, we became good friends. It was awesome. It was just a weird transition, you know, going from like your hero, the next thing you know, he's like a friend of yours. I had to like pinch myself sometimes. I'm like, I'm on a heli trip with Craig Kelly. This is crazy. You know, like I was just like a sponge, honestly. And now I look back on it, I was totally just sponging off of Craig and how he acted and, and how he you know dealt with people and how he snowboarded and how he worked with a guide and a photographer and a filmer and all those things you know yeah he he did it he did it right for sure mm-hmm. you know and he created it he created the whole professional snowboarding thing really yeah and he didn't do it with a giant ego or some ulterior motive so when did you get married to shannon uh 99 shannon downing was shannon dunn before they got married She had the first lady's pro model on Sims, and she rips. Dave and Shannon have two kids. Logan's 13, and uh, Dylan's 11. They're both goofy foot, I'm proud to say. They love it. They surf a lot. They they snowboard. They love it. Love both of it. I asked Dave if he also had a skateboarding background. You know, I skated a little bit. I wasn't like a skater, though. I skateboarded my whole life when I was a kid, but I was just kind of for fun. You know, like, it wasn't like I was a skater. I was definitely more of like a surfer. And then the whole like jibbing thing that came about because I was hanging out in Big Bear, you know, with Brian Dean and Brian Gucci and these guys. And they influenced me in that aspect and the whole freestyle thing. And then I met JP and Jeremy Jones in in Utah. So they really influenced me too, like Mm -hmm. on that whole thing. So I was being influenced by all those guys, those skate influenced dudes. And then I was also like, you know, hanging out with Noah Slasnick and Craig Kelly and stuff. So I had like kind of best of both mentors in my pocket, you know. And at that time it was important. That was something Craig kind of helped me figure out was to be well-rounded, you know. Like he was being well-rounded in his career by being a racer and a half-pipe guy and a free rider and all these different aspects of his career and in my era it was about being able to ride the half pipe like i go to the u.s open i can make the finals with the u.s open and i could go film with mike hatchet in alaska and i could go on mac dog and go on a handrail trip that was like what i wanted to do i wanted to be able to hang in all those environments you know mm-hmm. like not in like a weird like cocky way but like i just wanted to be able to do all of it because i thought it was all awesome i was like I wanted to go to half my contest, you know, and I wanted to go film in the streets with Jeff Anderson or J.P. Walker or whatever. I wanted to be able to do that. And I wanted to go to Alaska with Tom Burton, Noah Slasnick, and I wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to you know, jump with Kevin Jones, and I wanted to, I was like, I wanted to do it all. <laughs> good surfers want to be well-rounded. A good surfer, in, in their brain, they want to be able to surf two-foot Huntington Beach, and they want to be able to go to Hawaii and surf pipeline. Sure. And they want to be able to go to J-Bay and surf that. You know, it's like a well-rounded thing, you know? You can't just be good at one thing. I think the surf background in me kind of helped me with that well-roundedness. I'm kind of, I'm a little critical, like, when I watch snowboarding. Like, I'll watch snowboarding, and I'm like, well, that was pretty sick. But, like, he was just doing hockey stops halfway down the hill. He wasn't turning. And, like, from riding with Craig and being a surfer and flowing and turning and from top to bottom is is a big thing to me. Like every turn should be like a proper turn, not like just the scrubbing of speed, but actual turn. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain it, but when I see Terry A snowboard or I see Nicholas Mueller snowboard, I'm like, they are flowing. It's flow. It's like, that's just how you do it to me. You know, it's kind of a lost art, I think, you know, like it really is. But there's guys that get it. I, like Luis, like he is 
insane. Like not just on handrails, but he is unbelievable. Like as a snowboarder, mm-hmm. like he could go to Alaska and he would float. Like I know he would. Like I, everything he does, you know, if he rides the park, if he rides the ski resort, he just has it. You know, yeah, flow. Yeah. How often do you get out yeah. these days? I snowboard quite a bit, actually. Like I work with Burton with sales and stuff, so I'm out in the hill quite a bit. Probably get in. 50 days a year yeah i've never counted my days but jake's all into that counting days but i've never been into that but i'll put it 50 days or something like that that's yeah. awesome so you're really close with jake obviously yeah i've known him for quite a while 27 27 years you know he's not really like in the day-to-day stuff right now in the last few years but definitely over the years yeah it's been it's been a great relationship you know he's always been pretty good about listening and caring and he's a snowboarder man he's He's a frothing snowboarder when it comes down to it. And that's what I like about him. Like that thing, like, well, I was telling you about Craig, like taking three runs on a film trip, you know, like that's what Jake does. That's exactly what he does. Half his meetings he has is on the chairlift. I mean, he'll tell people like, okay, we'll have a meeting. Okay, meet me at Stowe at like nine o'clock in the morning or whatever. He's not going to sit in an office and have a meeting usually. He'd rather do it on the chairlift. Health-wise, he's doing better now? Or yeah, I just saw him the other day in Vermont. He's doing good. Um, he went surfing this summer. Sweet. And he's been hiking a lot. He, he can snowboard, and he's getting better every day. He said. So I hope to see him make a make a full 100% recovery. He's not still, like, 100% at all, but he's definitely doing really good. I saw an Instagram post this week of a dude who said he was waiting for first chair at Stowe when Jake comes riding up after hiking up before the mountain opens. That's fucking rad. Digging into my past and bringing up memories is pretty cool. Like, I'm just really fortunate and blessed that I was able to do that, you know? Really, it's a pretty selfish life I lived for 14 years or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad I got to do it, you know? Every day I could get up and go wherever I wanted and go, you know, explore the backcountry. That's another big part of what I really enjoyed about my career was being able to explore places and find places for the first time and go on, you know, two or three day, like, recon missions with Dave Hatchett and Tahoe and just find these places that people have been filming on, but that we found those places, you know? We talked about where snowboarding progression would go next. I think it's up to the riders, you know, like the people that are on the forefront of it are going to change the sport. They're either going to just keep doing what everybody else is doing and just keep adding another cork and jumping off that fall line jump and just doing it, or Mm -hmm. they're going to rebel and they're going to find their own path and create something new. You know, because that's what we did. I mean, we were just like finding it, you know, just as a group of people, we're just doing it. And I think that's going to happen again at some point. I'm I'm a big fan of surfing. Like, you know, the WSL and the way it is, the packages that they have, it's a very legit thing. Snowboarding doesn't really have that. There's no world champion. There's no format. There's no drama. Like, I couldn't imagine commentating like a slope style contest. I'd just be like, what do you talk about? I know what this guy's going to do. He's going to do a back lip on the rail. He's going to do a front side five. And he's going to do a double cork 1080. He's going to do a switch step. You know, like, it's just, there's not a lot to talk about. There's like professional snowboarding and then there's the actual sport of snowboarding. 90% of the people, they just go to the mountains and they want to have an awesome day with friends. I mean, 
it's pretty simple. They go up the lift and they come down and they're stoked and they go get a hamburger. They're not thinking about what, you know, what pro people think about, like progression and tricks and doing a trick that nobody else has done and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I hope that part still progresses because it's fun to watch. I just watched the snowboarding movie and it's really cool. Any good snowboarder wants to show people what they can do. Mm-hmm. And whether that's on film or on at a contest or whatever, they want to show people what they got, right? Like how talented they are, what new thing they got going on, you know. Right. But then there's some snowboarding that, that happens happens with no audience you know sometimes that's the best snowboarding that ever happens you know yeah i've definitely seen the best snowboarding in my life with no audience i've seen johan with no cameras on him it's pretty crazy the craig kelly thing was awesome and then riding with johan now i look back on it now i'm like i'm really glad i got to experience that and see it with my own eyes you know because that was incredible he didn't even care about filming dude he was just like i mean shooting johan was like shooting wildlife it was just like you hoped you got a shot at Johan because he he wasn't going to wait for the camera and he wasn't going to he just was going to go pretty rad thanks so much for talking to me dude cool alright have, have a good one I'll talk to you soon yeah you bet hopefully we get to ride together at some point F and Rad shoutouts to Dave Downing for doing an interview this week this episode marks the halfway point of our regular second season and we've got some more great interviews coming up so be sure to come back next week for another episode of the F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast, brought to you by BR Productions.